you know how it is on Fridays. We try and, uh, you know, cast off the shackles of the heavy news that we carry around all week long. I mean, we still deal with it, right? We've talked about some of the, the issues that are in the news today, but we also like to talk about some really interesting things with some very interesting people, and that's what this next segment is shaping up to be. Um, it's really cool. We're going to be talking about, well, we're going to be talking about killer whales, which is awesome to begin with, uh, but we're also going to be talking about uh, a population that's threatened, um, kind of close to our part of the world, Pacific Northwest. Some good news that's there, but it's just going to be a really interesting discussion. And to walk us through it all, we have Dr. Deborah Giles joining us, who is a science and research director of the nonprofit Wild Orca. Giles, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Um, and I should point out to the listeners, you do go by your last name. You asked that I refer to you that way, which is totally okay. Um, I, I do. Yeah, it's a tip of the hat to my dad. Fair enough. Good enough. Um just, you know, in getting ready for this, reading about some of the work that you do, it is absolutely fascinating. The, the part that really struck me is you use specially trained dogs to, well, for lack of a better term, find killer whale poop as part of your research. I mean, explain this to me. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, we use Eba. Her name is E-B-A, Eba the whale dog. <clears throat> you can follow her on Instagram. She has an Instagram. <laughs> I don't. Um, and, um, uh, she has been trained to sniff out killer whale feces as well. So both the fish eating killer whales, which are uh, endangered on the species at risk act in your country and the endangered species act in our country. And then she's also been successful in finding mammal eating killer whale feces, which is very different, um, in smell, texture, um, from what we can find, uh, from what we have found out so far, that, that poop is harder to find. We're not really sure why, um, but possibly the mammal eaters uh, possibly poop at depth in order to uh, evade the, um, the uh, knowledge of their prey <laughs> who might be able to see it or smell it themselves, like seals, for example. Um, but anyhow, we're mostly focused on the endangered southern resident killer whales right. And those are the ones that um, they just number about 74 right now, possibly 75, but we think that one of the adult males is, has, uh, is deceased. So that would put the population at 74 with this new baby. And it's dropping dramatically over recent time, right? I mean, it's come down a lot. It has. There, uh, there have been some, some uh, peaks and valleys, as, as uh, if you looked at the census over time, but the general downward uh, trend is downward since uh, 1995. Wow, okay. So this population of, of killer whales was um, highly targeted for the capture era back in the mid-'70s. That ended both in, in B.C., Canada, and in uh, Washington State in 1976. But um, the effects of that, the removals of a, essentially a whole generation of males and females, did cause a, a decline in the population because yeah, um, physically, the, those babies, as they grew up six, seven years later, weren't here to have babies. Right. So the population increased for a few years through 1995 when it peaked out at uh, uh, 98. Um, and then, but since then, we've had uh, marked declines in this population, wow. mostly um, attributed to the lack of, of prey. Okay. Um- just trying to decide. Okay, we'll get to the baby in a sec, but I'm really interested in this. When you talk about this rapid decline, like you say, it started with with the capture of whales, which is, I mean, thank goodness we're not doing that anymore in this part of the world. Um, but mm-hmm. but but the ongoing decline, it, it's a lack of prey? It's a lack of food? 
it's a <clears throat> it's a combination of of several factors. The main identified threats, both uh, on the SARA listing and the uh, Endangered Species Act listing, um, identify three main threats. The lack of quality and quantity prey, mostly Chinook salmon, which these whales co-evolved eating. Um, the presence of, a, of uh, human-made toxicants like DDT and PCBs, which were both banned in the early 70s but still prevalent in the environment, they're called legacy legacy um, chemicals because they stay around, um, as well as things more emerging t- uh, toxicants, man-made chemicals like flame retardants um, and other things used like in tires, for example. So all of these different toxicants are making their way through the food web and up into the whales as apex predators. Mm-hmm. If the whales are getting enough to eat, those toxicants, which are all what are called lipophilic toxicants, they, they are fat-loving toxicants, if the whales are getting enough to eat every day, those toxicants stay locked up fairly safely in the blubber. Okay. The problem happens when they're not getting enough to eat, which is a chronic problem for this population of whales, and they start metabolizing their fat stores, which releases those toxicants into their system, causing um, failure, uh, disease, more susceptible to disease, um, reproductive problems, we know from the fecal samples that our dogs have helped us find that almost 70%, 69.8% of the females in this population who are getting pregnant are not able to bring that calf to bear. Either they're spontaneously miscarrying them throughout their 18-month pregnancy or the babies are being born and dying right away. And then the, the last threat to the, to the population, main identified threat, is the, the presence of vessels and associated noise, vessels of all kinds. We know that the biggest problem are the, the, the large container ships that are going in and out of the Salish Sea. Um, and those, uh, we say, if you can see it on the horizon, it's potentially loud enough to mask the whale's ability to echolocate and find their food. So all three of those things work together synergistically in a very negative way to impact the whales. But by far, the biggest problem is the lack of food, because with the lack of food, it triggers cascading effects from the other two threats. I mean, do I have it right in, in just the way you're describing it to me? I mean, I look at these animals as majestic, powerful, incredible mm-hmm. creatures, but it seems to me like you're talking about uh, would sickly be the, be the right way? Like just not 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 a healthy population. Well, <clears throat> they're a struggling pro- population. I would say you know they're a tenacious population. I would say they are hanging on and doing absolutely everything they can um, to to survive. And what I mean by that is uh, at this time of year in the Salish Sea in BC, Canada, and Washington waters. We could have in the past expected to see these whales as the whole population. So there's one clan that are um, connected by language and genetics. So there's J-pod, K-pod, and L-pod that all make up one clan. And around this time of year in the past, we would have seen most or all members of all three pods here. Now, because there's not enough food to bring all, all members of the community in, they're having to split up. And that's one of the ways that they're... Um, trying to combat the fact that there's not enough food. It's like going to grandma's house for Thanksgiving, and um, but only half the family can come because there's only half the amount of food as uh, compared to normal normal days. Wow. 
I had no idea. Now, some good news, though. Uh, 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 yeah. a, a sliver of good news here, at least. There's a new baby. Yeah. First one in almost three years or two years? Um, well, we did have one, another one in J-Pod uh, earlier this year in January, um, and then one uh, at the end of last year um, in L-Pod. But prior to that, there was a big gap yeah. uh, between the, the, the previous baby and the, this set of babies. So but, tell us about uh, this new one. Very little. When a population this size and this population in particular should be having about six calves per year that are being born and living. And so to go uh, one or two or more years with no babies or even one or two or more years with one or two babies is a significant decline. And everything's going well with this baby? It seems to be acting as a baby Mm -hmm. killer whale should? Oh my goodness, she is, and she was just uh, just identified, just sexed as a female um, on the 26th of May, which is very exciting. Um, our colleagues at the Center for Well Research uh, um, got some drone imagery of her belly, and so that is incredibly exciting that this is a female calf. We need more females being born and living in this population than males because uh, the population is limited by the number of females that can get pregnant. And so, boy, this is a rambunctious baby. Um, every time I've been out there with her, she uh, breaches multiple times throughout the day. We don't really know why killer whales do this, but um, in her case, it sure looks like she's just having fun. And she's been seen from the drone imagery as um, uh, pestering her family members <laughs> to play with her. And it's just lovely to see. She's a seemingly very, very healthy uh, little female calf. Uh, that is good to hear. That's fabulous. Uh, Giles, great, great conversation. Really, really insightful. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for calling and asking about the whales in our project. Yeah, you bet. Good stuff. That is uh, Dr. Deborah Giles, or Giles, who is a science and research director of nonprofit Wild Orca.